Hello, and welcome to the Women on Fire podcast. I am your host, Jamie, and we have Miss Coral Estelle with us as our tiny co-host. And we have a special guest today. She is a wonderful woman who um, our little babes have brought us together magically through the joys of pregnancy and motherhood. And I'll let her introduce herself, and she's got some wonderful wisdom to share. Hi world, hi mamas, hi sisters. Uh, thanks Jamie. Uh, my name is Chloe and this is little Isarea. She's with me on the right booby today. Mostly the right's been like where it's been really flowing for her. Like the left one, I feel like she runs out of milk faster but the right one's like twice as big and just booming. So she's on that one right now, just going to town. And, um, but yeah, I found the women's circle with Jamie and Daniela when I was, I think, four, five months pregnant, I believe. And it totally opened up my world to make mama friends. I hadn't really had any mama friends on this island um, prior, but most of my friends were um, maidens, just badass maidens, you know, fire dancers, surfers, uh, dancers, things like that. So it's been, it's been a whole new world to connect with other mamas. and. Uh, and today I reached out to Daniela and Jamie because I've been dancing uh, every day throughout the whole pregnancy in some way, shape, or form. Like sometimes being informal, sometimes more just, most of the time more just like shaking it in my living room. And I feel like now I'm about almost four months postpartum and I'm feeling really good again. I'm feeling like I have some strength back and I'm back to dancing more, more fully because I do professional dancing to contemporary and modern and stuff. So I just wanted to share some, some insight and wisdom around like movement as preventative medicine and heart medicine throughout uh, prenatal and postnatal time. I love that. And I think it's something that we talk about a lot on the podcast about like moving your body and keeping, but there's, there's something really special about dance. I mean, it's, it's historically a way that, you know, people um, gathered in joy or gathered in ceremony and, um, and how it cares for our mental wellness and our physical wellness. So I love that that's sort of where you're coming from. And then of course, centered around, um, it goes beyond birth, it goes beyond pregnancy, but it's, but, but when you can sort of bring it around, bringing our babies into, and that like ceremonial and that joy and that, I just think it's, it's really wonderful. So I can't wait to hear how, um, how that impacted you, you know, how your trajectory that you were already on and then how you brought it into that, that sacred space. Yeah, <laughs> all the way like from the very beginning, just being like a community artist. I actually met her daddy when I was uh, at like a rehearsal kind of run through of a show where he was playing a, a hip hop set and I was doing a dance performance with two live African drummers um, from Guinea. And I've been dancing with those drummers for couple years like all throughout the pandemic we're meeting up and having West African dance classes and I was asked to do this performance at an arts collective in Chinatown and I'm like okay what's the most authentic for me right now and I wanted to perform to live music and do an improvisational set so there was um, an Ngora 
and a balafone, which is like a kind of xylophone made of bamboo and wood. And so I did an improvisational dance to that. And that's how her daddy and I met was through that show. And fast forward to Fondly in Love and, you know, all this um, beauty and fertility. Like, I actually didn't know that I was fertile because, like, my, I had never been pregnant before. I was 31 when I got pregnant. And I've only been using herbal medicine my entire 20s. Like I got off of chemical birth control when I was 21, and I've only been using um, cycle tracking and uh, Queen Anne's lace and different like amenagogues and implantation inhibitors all throughout my 20s to not get pregnant. And I, and sure enough, I never never got pregnant. So that in one way, I started to doubt the herbs later in my 20s, and I'm like, wow, maybe I'm really not that fertile. But now that I know that I'm fertile, I'm like, oh, the herbs really work. Like intention, cycle tracking all of that is and that's a whole whole other like conversation that I love to have with women too is like how how to uh rewild the body and like steer away from chemicals whether it's from like you know perfumes and fragrances and shampoos or if it's like chemical birth control like how can we reintegrate plants into our feminine power and that's another one of your superpowers right you're an herbalist as well yes <laughs> my total jam and I think because I have been doing like the herbal birth control route I've had like a higher capacity for like not maybe higher capacity but like I tend to have a lot of sex drive and sensation with like love making too and I feel like a lot of that has to do with um just like the connection to plants and like ecoeroticism in general um but yeah so so plants fertility okay yeah so I met my man and lots of wild love making and fun and I got pregnant and and that was totally like unexpected but totally channeled too like when I got pregnant this being this little girl I didn't know she was a girl until she came out of me like like you like Coral Estelle <laughs> um but yeah, her spirit was so strongly just like, you already called me in mama. Like I'm here, I'm here to stay. We're doing this. And Amazing. <laughs> okay, I'm doing this. I'm, I'm fertile. I'm aware that I'm, I just, I'm pregnant. I'm doing this. And, and like throughout pregnancy, you go through so many different waves of emotions and for me, there was like initially this like disbelief of like, oh, wow, my whole world is going to change. And then I started to get kind of like achy in my body a bit and more um, dynamic with how my moods would shift. Not so extreme, but I'd be like when I was irritable, I'd be more irritable or when I was tired, I'd be more tired or inflamed like you know, if I ate like gluten or dairy or something like that, I get more inflamed. And I just decided early on in the pregnancy, like I'm going to dance this whole thing out because I'm not really one to go to like a verbal therapist or I didn't have a women's circle at the time. So I just danced about all the phases that I was experiencing first and second trimester. And like that might seem very abstract and I'll just kind of walk you through like what that looks like. Actually, it's like so say I'm like 
dealing with a shift in plans. So my life was on one trajectory of doing um, some performance-based festival dance gigs in Portugal and then going to Indonesia for a surf trip before I got pregnant. That was like the path that I was on. And I had just gotten back from West Africa from a dance intensive there. And so I, I wasn't necessarily doing any family planning. So I was thinking about the trajectory that I was on. And now I'm like, okay, now I'm pregnant with this man where we really just started dating a couple months ago. And I'm going to just call her in all the way. I'm going to like shed any doubt and shed any like fear that this is like not the right time. And so I started to dance about just like the shedding of the, of the hesitation of the fear of the, Oh, my life is going to change so much. Like I would start by putting music on and just shake my body. I would start with either like, uh, like Indian classical, like belly dance music, or I'd go like, like Tahitian drumming. And I would just let my, my hips shake side to side, side to side, just shaking, 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 shaking. And I would let any doubt or like flutters or frustrations or fears just kind of like come out of me. And if you start by just putting on music that makes you move, I like to challenge myself that instead of dancing for just like a minute and then taking it to the floor and having a nice long stretch and putting my feet up against the wall, I, I do that, but I try to play the music for as long as I can and keep moving and keep going through it before I go to the floor and start to rest and stretch. Because then I just get really like, you know, oozy on the floor and I'm just all like, ah, oh, this is so nice. And that's great too. Like I always cool down with, uh, with stretching and stuff, but I've been ch- throughout my pregnancy. I'm like, okay, go a little bit deeper, go a little bit further. Like what can I access through shaking my body and, and like wiggling my body and undulating my body. And, uh, and so it's revealed, it's revealed quite a bit and helped me to be able to moderate my emotions and also just like kind of make art for the sake of art. Like, I don't, I'm not really performing for anybody when I'm in my living room dancing, I'm just making art for art's sake and art for therapy for myself. So, and for my thing, and all she knows is movement at this point. And so I love that my, um, my mentor, the woman who trained me initially, she had, um, she talks about this trip that she took to India and to do, um, to stay in an ashram. And every morning they woke up and for, I can't remember if it was 10 or for 15 minutes, they just shook. Like that was, you wake up and you shake and like, she's like, you think that shaking for one minute is long, try 15 and, but it was to like wake everything up and shed all the jitters and to just like get it out. And I think that's really interesting. And the thought of making art for art's sake too, you know, um, like the sand mandalas and all that, right. You make it and it goes away. Are you having that performance for your connecting to yourself and your baby and this like greater piece it's art for the sake of art not for keeping or like I don't know for sharing even if it's privately I don't know I think that's really beautiful yeah it's like dancing in general is a very ephemeral thing like it's there and then it's gone and unless you record it like you can track back and remember the movements that you did that felt good and as a choreographer that's kind of what I do sometimes is like improvise film it and then and then select movements that I, that I 
a door or that help to generate a motif. Like I'll draw movements from improvisation, but movement for like therapy and medicine, you know, it's just, just let it out of you and surprise yourself, surprise yourself with how deep you can go and no training needed, you know, no strength training, no flexibility training, no technique needed. It's just about moving your body. And you can even start by like brushing off your thighs and brushing off your calves and brushing off your arms and massaging your breasts and rubbing your belly and just let that embodied sensuality guide you towards something meaningful for yourself. And, and, uh, and yeah, just try to surprise yourself with how long you can go. And it may start with 30 seconds or it may go more like, you know, five minutes. And if you can get up to like 20 minutes a day of just this kind of authentic, deep release, like it's, it's pretty, awesome what that can do for you and my whole pregnancy I was living in a studio apartment um, that was really like crowded with a lot of our stuff it was awesome it was in it was in Waikiki so really close to the ocean Um, but it was it was pretty tiny so I would just take this little corridor of space and just dance in that corridor and so you don't need like a studio or a big space per se and then if you can get a speaker and go out into the park that's a whole nother level but still try to keep it just for yourself even though there's maybe spectators around you're still just dancing for yourself and for your baby and and maybe that can even help to like make friends too who also just want to dance for themselves and maybe that's how ecstatic dance started in general but um but yeah I um sometimes I do like film movement when I was pregnant just to like have as a keepsake to show my baby like this is what mama did like this was inspired by you this is what mama did for us to get health and and uh yeah and the reason of like mentioning preventative medicine too is I think that like eastern philosophy Chinese medicine um, is like kind of preventative medicine about how do we prevent disease states? And if there's early signs of disease states, how do we stop them from manifesting and deeper into the organs? And as dance can be preventative medicine, I say that because there was a, like a question brought up in a a group text about hemorrhoids in third trimester. And a lot of women were having hemorrhoids from like constipation and from having like just a lot of you know, build up in the body that was flowing so well. And I started to mention like, just plant your feet parallel and, and like kind of keep your hips facing forward and let your, and just standing forward, maybe like, you know, looking at something that you like looking at, maybe it's outside at a tree or at a painting that you like, and then just start to sway side to side, gently twisting at the waist, just flopping your arms side to side, just letting your arms flop and flop and flop. And doing that for like two to three minutes a day gently can really enhance and like encourage bowel movements too, because it's gently, it's just like twisting the abdomen. So, you know, that can come from or or dance, that can come from any kind of, or multiple different movement practices, but that's kind of where on like a practical level, how dance can be uh, preventative medicine. It's like, you know, if I, if I wasn't moving my whole pregnancy, I may have, you know, re-injured my knees in labor too. Like I may have lost strength in my thighs and my knees. And then during the labor process, I could have strained myself or pulled something because of all the relax, like relaxin and elastin in my body. So 
Yeah. You know, you know a lot more about relaxin and elastin that I do. Like I, it's, I know that women should be careful with a lot of movement, like later in pregnancy, because they are really stretchy, but it's good to have tone in the muscles too. That way we can give labor in like a deep, deep squat and crawl around on the floor and, and scream and like really tense up and not have to worry about pulling things as easily as, as you could without movement in pregnancy. Yeah. I was wondering, did you experience like aches and pains in your pregnancy, like growing pains? A lot of people get like sciatic nerve stuff or, um, did you experience any like back pain or anything like that during your pregnancy or? Yeah, I, I experienced like lower back pain and I also got sciatica in my left hip and it would like shoot down all the way to my feet. Like there would be this, that was really late. That was like around 39 weeks or so. And that pain was like so intense in my left hip. I thought I had done something wrong. I thought it would be forever. I was like, Oh no, is this like going to be a forever feeling? What have I, what have I done? Like, is this from having sex? Is this from hiking? Like, what is this? But the day after giving birth, that pain was totally gone. So it was just a pressure, pressure thing. But because of the low back and the hip pain, I would try to start my days by doing this thing called like, I called it a cyclone, like a, like a circular cyclone thing. So I would stand up and imagine space between each vertebrae. So I'd kind of stack my vertebrae and imagine them to have optimal space between them, especially in my lumbar spine where I was feeling compaction and pain. Then I would start with my head and start to make circles with my head going counterclockwise. And then I'd take those circles to my... Did I get unmuted? She, she, she just kicked the phone with her little toes. <laughs> um, and then I would, I would take the circle to my shoulders and then to my, to my rib cage and then to my chest and my belly and my hips down to my knees and my ankles. And then I would reverse the cyclone and spiral back up the body. So I would just give this good amount of time to circle down or circle all the way through and then circle back up. And that was my visual of like creating space in the vertebrae and then also like undulating and circulating through each energy center in the body just to wake up and lubricate the body. And that really did help with the, with the back pain. And, uh, and then with foot pain, that was weird. I got some like kind of plantar fasciitis kind of thing in my heels. Like when I'd wake up my first couple steps out of bed, I was like, Oh, like, what is that? Like, I felt like I had bone spurs or something. It was, it was like fierce, but I would, um, put my feet up against the wall, which I still do. I'd like, you know, press my um, my booty all the way against to the base of a wall and then put my feet up the wall. And then I would just wiggle my feet up like on the wall. I'd shake my legs and then I'd let my legs drop out to a straddle and keep wiggling my legs and then work them back up and then just kind of um, do some like hip circles up there too or sit in butterfly with my feet elevated. And that helped with the foot pain a lot. I, I kind of did that like multiple times a day just because it was so sore in the, in the heels. Did that happen for you too? Did you get foot, like weird foot soreness? Yeah, definitely. I, I attributed it to oh, being on my feet a lot. Like I do a lot of walking and hiking and stuff. And I thought it was 
from that. Um, but I don't remember it from my last pregnancies, but maybe I just blissfully forgot about it. I know like, after, after you give birth, a lot of the weird discomforts, like just kind of float away because you're so in awe of this little being. Like I hardly even remember the pain that like, I had this like weird vaginal soreness that was like just ongoing and achy and like my tissues would actually hurt sometimes around my vagina and I'm like I hardly even remember that because now I'm just so in the present and the now so if any mamas are listening are kind of like having weird pains just know that it's temporary and it will resolve itself yeah that's I think one of the the great things to remind yourself in pregnancy and in postpartum is that it's all temporary so just you know be kind to yourself and be present and give yourself grace because yeah it's 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 a moment (laughs) in this super long amazing trajectory um I love the little honestly just like the little things that you did like just offering up simple things because people think they need to have like some sort of workout program sometimes, or they need to like know all the right moves. And, you know, there is something about ecstatic dance and like listening to your body move. We interviewed Maha Almusa a few last year, I think, and she does um, embodied birth and it's based on belly dance. And um, she also says, you know, you get these folks in a room and they feel like they have to do all the moves, right? And she's like, but really it's about feeling the moves within your body. There's no right or wrong, you know, unless you're choreographing or doing it for a show, but when you're doing it for yourself or for your wellness, you know, then it's, then it's very different because, because it can be private and you can work into the discomforts, right? Like stretch into those places or you know, even just offering up, putting your feet up on the wall for a few minutes a day and wiggling your feet. So like, I don't know, that's stuff that anybody could do. You know, you don't need special equipment. You don't need like a program. And it's just nice to like offer up those tidbits that can work into people's lives for the wellness, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, yeah, and, the, and then if, you know, too, if, mamas feel like they've run out of movement vocabulary they want some like guided movement input like I cannot stress enough how much fun like West African dance is and I feel like most communities do have uh, West African dance classes and if not you might be able to find some online I know here on Oahu we do have quite a cool community and it's a lot of mamas too like contemporary dance is wonderful and modern dance is wonderful, but it's meant for this, a certain type of like athletic body per se. It's not really like an, a super sensorial or like communal or tribal experience. Whereas, you know, West African dance, you have live drummers, there's kids running around all over the place. And the origin of these dances is like, you know, women or men dancing to bring on certain seasons or for certain rituals or, you know, marriages or babies, you know, certain things. So um, everything is, is like welcome and adaptable. I mean, she's been, you know, she's been dancing West African since she was an egg and all throughout pregnancy. And 
she can actually sleep through a full like 90 minutes of drumming now like out of the womb I put little earplugs in her I need to get those noise canceling headphones just in case but um but yeah and there's no you know there's no judgment in community dancing either people can just go and shake it and like kind of follow along and start to introduce new movements to their improvisations too and so that's like one of my very favorite um forms of dance and and belly dance for sure for sure and and uh yeah I think like one aspect of West African dance that I love as well is that like because I went to 43 weeks which was like so silly I I tracked back my ovulation again and again I was like am I sure is this really happening but like it was definitely no matter how I looked at it like it was definitely over 43 weeks and I think she was just really cozy in there and and that's okay because I you know she was my blood pressure was good and her heart rate was good and my intuition was really solid too like I just knew that she was she a was super normal sized baby yeah yeah she was <laughs> and she was in a good position and and um yeah what was he saying about that oh yeah the the constant practice of of shaking it in my living room to either like Tahitian dancing or to hiking a bit or to dancing West African was that something really great about being like, you know, quote unquote overdue is that one method to bring the baby here earthside is to get all the prostaglandins to ripen your cervix possible. So I was I like, you know, we were having as much, as much sex as we could. And I feel like the strength and like my legs and my knees really opened up new possibilities to continue having sex in exploratory ways. Cause can you already kind of lose some not lose, but like some positions kind of go out the window as you get more and more pregnant. But then if you stay kind of, you know, strong and, and, uh, and body, then some positions can also open up too. like, you can get really creative with it. You know, if I'm like, you know, riding the throne of glory, like I need to be able to have strong legs. And I feel like there's so much shaking and grounded, like hip movement in African dance that kept my hips and my, and my thighs strong so that I could keep getting all the prostaglandins possible to bring her here earthside. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's great. Well, and the stamina, right? I mean, yeah. you know, it's hard work laboring and have in bringing a baby forth. So sometimes it's many hours of walking or standing or, um, yeah. So I think that there's, there's something really beneficial to that too. I like how you said starting with a minute and then try to get to 20 minutes and then let it, you know, who knows if you have the time, just let it go and just keep going. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What are some like mental states that you experience with mamas postpartum? Like we hear a lot about, you know, postpartum depression, but is there, are there other emotional, you know, um, like common things that show up? with your mamas that you nurture? Yeah, I mean, we, there's, there is a lot of focus on um, the, the less pleasant side, I think, because it is also, also overlooked largely by the medical community that like, oh, that's just normal to be depressed or to be anxious or whatever. So those are all real things. I'm not saying that they aren't. Um, there is some loneliness and things like that because suddenly 
you know, you're, you are in your own little world with your own little person and, um, and certain things have to, you have to be patient with. But I also think that there is a lot of joy and a lot of like um, curiosity about the rest of the world, about our ancestors and about those who will come after us. Like this whole amazing lineage piece comes into play because we see ourselves in the line. You know, we see this trajectory. And so, um, so yeah, so like curiosity and um and and it is amazing to watch people find that grace or give themselves that like the space to grow um, because you will <laughs> you will grow and um, I think a little bit of it is how it's framed in regards to who surrounds you you know um, that if you're feeling any one kind of way that it's not good or bad it's just where you're at right now and to like look at look at it out of a place of curiosity but that's not really how it's um how how it's largely supported um movement is a big thing I actually felt that um it comes up a lot in postpartum and I've helped people for you know over a decade and um then when it came to my own postpartum, again, I realized that it is really hard to be still um, yeah. once your baby comes, whether you're having one or it's your third, it's really hard to just be still. What are your thoughts about that being that you're a mover and a shaker? How was that for you? Yeah, I feel, yeah, like the stillness that, the tenderness and the stillness is so new to me in my life like it really challenged like the first couple weeks I, I had quite a bit of bleeding the first 10 days so I was advised to really lay flat as much as possible and that was majorly challenging just because I wanted to dance I I physically felt okay I I felt pretty like drained and a little bit dazed but I felt strong enough to like you know, bop around the house and like bounce on the ball. But then I realized I was like, oh wait, I can't, I can't do that. I can't, I shouldn't be bouncing on this ball or stretching yet. So I started to wrap myself with some like old um, careos at night. And then just throughout the day, I truly tried to try to lay as much as possible. And after like the eighth or ninth day of bleeding, my doula Alex was like, really try to stay super still for a couple more days. And her, her dice like really um, stepped up and just really helped out and made food and would bring food to bed for a couple of days. So I feel like I moved a lot the first week and then I was like, oh wait, the bleeding is still really heavy. I got to just flatten out and just mellow out. And that was really hard for me because I love motion and action and I like to clean too. Like, I don't even like to clean. I just like living in a clean place. So it's hard not to, not to clean, but being being still is a whole new level of, of medicine. Like even, even now the tenderness at which she loves, she likes to nurse for a long time and your mind just goes and goes and goes and like your body's just here. And it's, yeah, it's really wild. Like the stillness, I'm still like really opening my, 
um, receptivity to this medicine because the stillness is really good medicine too. It's like, okay, I'm learning and growing so much with all this stillness. And then with like, are you okay? You okay? <laughs> Aww. She's like, are you talking about me? <laughs> <laughs> we sure are talking about you little one slowing mama down teaching her a new medicine yeah amazing. <laughs> and like movement postpartum was like kind of the first month and really started to like move and groove and just slowly undulate around I would pick like an initiation point in my body say it was like my elbow or my shoulder or my knee and I would let that body part guide me around the space to like any kind of music that felt good I personally love like Javanese and Balinese gamelan because it's like very like it can be really rhyth like rhythmic and weird and kind of like soothing but it can also get kind of hectic and really like steer up a bunch of stuff too and uh so I started off with slow movement, but um, lately I'm in like a really super tumultuous and rocky time with her dad, which neither of us really saw coming, but it's been, yeah, it's been super highly emotional. And I'm, I'm like currently really heartbroken and experiencing like the, the everyday joy and like every moment preciousness of being a mama, but also this um, immense like letting go for all of what I thought was going to be flowing in our trio and our togetherness. And I'm having to like shed that and, and let that go piece by piece with hope that things can get better. But right now that's not the case today, at least every day is an, an opportunity to, to heal, but like dancing through that, even just before this, I put on some music and there was a song called Picking Up the Pieces that was like this EDM track that was very um, emotive and like, and it's kind of like a drum and bassy track and it's like picking up the pieces. And I, and I was just kind of interpreting the lyrics of that. Like I, she was my center. My belly was my center, like for the whole pregnancy. And now my center for the first couple months postpartum, it's like the centers outside of yourself. It was like, I was orbiting her. And now I'm like, okay, I'm almost like four months post birth and I'm starting to pick back pieces of like who who am I I've transformed like my my maiden has become my mother I'm a mother like I'm I'm really picking up the pieces of like who I am now as a mama and still remembering who I was before pregnancy and like tying you know weaving them and sewing them together into this new version of me and and dance helps with that a lot too yeah, I'm sure like reconnecting with that as your movement sort of built back up from that real still space and then having to come back to being still, like you said, she nurses for a while and you have to, but yeah, and, and I'm shedding, shedding the, uh, like molting almost, you're still there, you're still in there, you're still, you know, but you're, you're taking off some of this, uh, this part of you and putting on a new skin almost, you know? Yeah. Turn it's pretty amazing. And, yeah. and I think too, that piece about, you know, you're in a space of 
of grief as well as in a space of abundance and um, with the babe. And uh, I think it's really important to honor that. And it's amazing that you can that too, like you can tie your work, your life's work of dance and, and um, again, honoring all of this transition as a ceremony and as um, through, through your work that you've done your whole life, you've traveled the world. Um, and it's your- like, it helps with honesty. Right? When I move around the room, like to, no matter what music is on, sometimes music is like this amazing stimuli to go, to go deeper. Sometimes it can lift you up and sometimes it can, you know, really take you deep. Like the song, um, Joga, um, came on by Bjork and, you know, her whole song is like about emotional emergency, like take me to a state of emergency. And it's all about the emotions being pushed like so far to the breaking point. And I was just like, that song brought out this really intense honesty in me that I'm like, oh, today, like I'm not okay. And the dance turned into this sob and like, that's just, that's just raw honesty. And it's sometimes hard to access it if people are checking in on you. Hey, how you doing? How's the babe? Oh my gosh, your family's so precious. Like you get these comments that are beautiful and welcome, but also on the inside, are you, are you, are you feeding back that like surface level okayness or are you going deeper and just like, whoa, like life is different. I'm a mama, like our trio is, is separated right now and none of us saw this coming. And meanwhile, she's so precious. It's like emotions are so stretched all over the place. And without dance, I probably would be like pages and pages deep in this really emo poetry, which is great too, but I just do that poetry through movement. And, and it's just good for me, you know? And I, I just, I encourage mamas to, to take themselves there through, through movement and, and, and then if anybody wants to dance together too, I'm so down. Like there's a lot of attention on um, post, uh, like prenatal and postpartum yoga, which is so good too. But it's like, what if we just leave all the rules and forms at the door and just like move our body in the way that feels good to us. And, and then we can have our babies on our hip and keep moving that way and keep healing that way too. That way we can con- keep contributing like, between baby and mama, like meaning and purpose. And, and yeah, it's like, she's seeing me down. Curious to know if she'll naturally know that as a way of expression or mom dances. So I'm going to, I'm going to be another painter or something like that. Cause children can either rebel or they can go with the flow. (laughs) True. We don't get to choose. We don't have to. This is who you decide to be. It is really amazing. And, and I think too, that like thinking about the lineage, thinking about her growing in you as you move and continuing to grow as like your little OP as you dance or being there in the circle next to the drums or watching you or being on your back or your hip, you know, um, I do know that I have a, uh, couple of Tahitian dancer friends too and they just as soon as the babies were big enough you know they were in the little backpack or they're in the little thing dancing with mom and you know that's the 
it's also not just ceremony or joy or grief or whatever. It's also storytelling, right? I mean, the dance is a long history of storytelling and, um, and we body language is a, is a language <laughs> that's universal. They just started mowing a lawn out here. So it's getting close. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's exactly, yeah, it's exactly that. It's a language for sure. And it's, it's a good language to speak and it's funny too like in my in my actual birth like when I was going into labor I was like okay I'm gonna have time to light some candles put some music on I'm gonna be belly dancing and I was like yeah like a couple hours into it I was like trying to find this place where I could move and dance but that was not the case I was like totally floored and like so <laughs> just in it I no one can prepare you for how intense labor is like no stories videos like that was so wild, like giving and the contractions and every, every mama's journey is different, but I definitely feel like where giving birth reminded me like where I have a huge area to grow is and that's breath. Like that's finding breath. That's remembering to breathe. That's breath work, breath holds. Like, I think that's going to be something that I'm going to continuously work on over like the next year is because even though I was moving my body and undulating and like writhing and pushing and, and I was like cat cowing it for a while on the ground. And then I was in the tub, just like kind of frogging out, like with my legs out to the side, the breath was the really, was a really challenging part to, um, to find. So if, you know, now when I'm dancing and, and like even, you know, surfing or doing things, I'm just like, okay, yeah, am I breathing? Am I breathing? Like dancing is, is amazing, but only until you run out of breath. Like I got to continue to practice on finding my breath, opening the lungs. And that takes you closer and closer to, you know, your, your honesty as well. That way you're not just holding your breath and giving it all. You're not like going full, full throttle with no air. Like you gotta, you gotta have air in the system too. So that was definitely a message that that labor taught me for sure. Yeah, I definitely think that the, you know, the Dr. Lamaze was onto something, but um, I don't know that it's that a, it's necessarily something that you have to take classes for, or you just have to give yourself the opportunity to slow down and breathe, right? Like uh, I always tell folks, it's not even about med when they, they like meditation is really good, but meditation is about coming back to the breath, right? Like your mind is going to wander. That's what happens. And you bring it back to the breath. It's a practice of coming right back. And that's, that's it. As far as when we're born too, like taking that first breath like that and our last breath, right? So like that is life that that's the aloha, right? So <laughs> the breath of life. And it's really amazing. And I think too, you can work with that through your movement, you know, like breathing into, into your movements. Um, so yeah, so whether, so people don't have to sit still and meditate to do breath work, they can do it through movement or they can do it. I think, um, I think that's really a great place to like even bring ourselves back to in the states in the postpartum when you are feeling overwhelmed this is these are some of the things that labor teaches us or when you have a three-year-old that keeps taking all the books off the shelf and you have to just take a deep breath <laughs> yeah that'll be wild i haven't um, had so much uh immediate exposure to toddlers and two-year-olds <laughs> 
it's gonna be wild i can't wait but i can so stay yeah stay little for now <laughs> they're fun they're fun there's no rush like uh our friend said at the last circle she <laughs> the best uh, unsolicited advice was to when they start walking just knock them back down <laughs> Like, wait, 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 not yet, not yet. <laughs> right, right. That, I thought I wanted you to walk, but now I have to chase you. Now you're so much faster. <laughs> One of my favorite, like, moments on a on a daily basis is the little baby breath that she has. The, like, little pant and her, her milk breath and that little, that little baby pant is so sweet. And I hope it stays a little while longer because that's already less and less. She's already breathing more deeply, but that little... Just that sweet little breath is like, oh, like my heart just sings every time I hear it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and they breathe into their bellies, right? They don't do yeah. it. They're, they're very good little breathers. You're, you have something to say about it? You have something to say about it? Yeah. I can't believe how quiet you've been this whole time. Yeah. Both of our girls. Yeah, she's been to like a, almost probably over like 20 rehearsals with me so far. She's pretty cool with dance rehearsals. Like she sees that we're up to something and it honestly feels like more and more that she's kind of enjoying the show. Like she's kind of like, oh, and she tilts her head a little bit and she's really observing the movement. And yeah, even with like last week, good for like 90% of it she was just chilling and watching until she got it's it's, yeah it's nice that she gets to see it and then sometimes I dance for her too just in the living room like I'll she really likes to be held all the time and I'll I'll set her down and she'll cry until I start dancing I'll look right at her and just like okay it's time to boogie and she'll kind of smile and start to laugh and she she likes being danced for oh your tiny audience yeah (laughs) Can't wait to dance with you. Yeah. Oh, it's gonna be so great. It's gonna be so great when you've got her, your little partner. <laughs> and tell me just a little bit because we um we are inviting moms to talk a little bit about going over forty two weeks or forty two. Um, tell yeah. me a little bit about if you if you want if you feel um up for it because it is it, there are so few stories um nowadays and um most of them are encased in fear so I just wanted to like if you feel like sharing a little bit about that journey between 41 and 43 weeks or whatever 40 you know the place that many folks don't travel (laughs) yeah sure that was that was wild so 41 weeks came and went and I was pretty calm, like, you know, I kind of thought her due date was like June 21st, which was on summer solstice, which was really cool. I was like, oh, solstice baby, because she was considered autumn equinox, and I thought that'd be so cool, and then, and then July 1st came, and I was like, okay, we're like tiptoeing towards 42 weeks, and I didn't really go on like Google or do any searches about anything, because you're rub up until 42 weeks, because you're, you're right. Like there's a lot of, I don't want to call it myth, but there's a lot of like hype around 
well, the placenta gets tired, the placenta ages, or the cord can wear out or get thinner, or oxygen levels can decrease, or amniotic fluid can decrease. And yes, all these things are possible, but I mean, she felt, I just really used my intuition up until 42 weeks. And I was like, okay, I know that she feels good. She's still moving around quite a bit. There were two days when she got really still and I was like, okay, what's going on? But I just, I drank some cold things. I ate some spicy food. I danced around a bit. She was just getting bigger. And so there was like less space for her, but that was the only time when I really felt like seriously concerned is when she went kind of still, but she was probably sleeping too. And I'm just learning that babies can sleep because it's my first time. I didn't know if I should be feeling movement every couple hours or, and if you look it up online, like, Hey, my baby's been still for eight hours. We'll be like, go get a check right away. But it's, you know, I don't want to say to women whether to do that or not, but I didn't feel called to do that. I just felt like I'm going to massage her. I'm going to boogie around a little bit. And, and yeah, she started kicking and moving and around 42 weeks is when I started to really play with it. I was like, okay, let's get playful. I'm going to start hiking Makapu'u every night and walking up there and just like stargazing and her daddy and I would walk up there. We even like made love up there a couple of times, like trying to bring her in. And that was really fun. And one time we like saw lightning up there. Like when we were making love, like the sky literally like open and there was this big lightning bolt that came through. And we were like, I've never even seen lightning on East side. Like this, what? And it was, it was just wild. And I was like, she's coming. It's coming close. It's coming soon. But then so like- awesome. <laughs> that's part of her story. <laughs> Yes, a lightning child. <laughs> but then like another week passed and I was like at 43 weeks and I'm like, all right. So I, I contacted Daniela and told her what was going on. And her and Alex were like, maybe play with blue and black cohosh. So I did this blue and black cohosh alternating series for like two days with that tincture. And my body didn't respond to that at all, which is interesting because I was excited to work with those herbs because I've, you know, been studying those herbal medicines for a long time and I never really had a reason for working with them personally. So I was like, okay, blue and black cohosh, let's give it a whirl. I'm going to really sit with them and journal about it. And they were bitter and like cooling and like kind of, kind of harsh to the palate, but I could, I mean, they were helping me have like, you know, they're helping eliminate like any gas, which was cool, but that was about all I really felt from blue and black cohosh. I didn't get any contractions or any like motion per se. And so I did go for a non-stress test at like 43 weeks in like two days. I went for a non-stress test because I just wanted to make sure, you know, just for my own like comfort and for my midwife's comfort too. She really highly, see, she was suggesting that for like a couple of weeks and I was like, I'll go when I really need to. And so I, I went that day and that was fine. Of course, that steered up a lot of uh, clinical observations and feedback, like you need to induce right now. I would, I would end this, like the, the woman at the office was just saying, I really highly suggest you not move forward with this at home, come to the hospital, um, you need to induce. And then they were educating me about Pitocin and th- things like that. And I just sat with it. And I asked for all the information that I possibly could absorb. I was like, tell me everything about Pitocin. What are, what's every single option that you have and that you can educate me on? And I sat with all of them and they just didn't feel 
right. I was like, I, I want to do a home birth, dang it. Like those don't feel right for me because I was showing no red flags. There was right. And I think too, clinical places, they believe it, but they are also, there's this obligatory, like if you come and see them for advice, they have to give you like their advice. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's, and it's good that you, that you sat with it, that you didn't just like cave or whatever. You got your information. So go ahead. So you got really educated. Yeah. I just asked them. I was kind of grilling them. I was like, but why that? And then why in that sequence, you know, like there was this, um, uh, the membrane stripping was something that they really suggested. And I was like, but why wouldn't that break the sack? What if she's not ready? Couldn't that more cascade into like having a C-section because then the amniotic fluid will be sure to drain if she's not actually ready. You know, if I, if my, if my sack breaks or the membrane stripping leads to the sack breaking. And I was just really grilling her to the point where she was like, okay, get out of my office, <laughs> but that's okay. That's what she's there for. <laughs> so I, le- I went home and then another day passed and the castor oil was sitting on my, on my countertop, just staring at me for a couple of days. Cause I was like, I'm going to get the castor oil out and just start feeling into it. And on a Wednesday night, I was like, tonight is the night I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling strong. And I, I went for the castor oil because I just felt strong. I felt strong at that point. And I could have waited longer, of course, but I just went with it. I took two tablespoons of castor oil and mixed it in with, um, some juice and some tea, but I didn't mix it with a fat. I hear that it's best to mix it with a fat. And so it like rocked me so hard. Like I went into like probably eight or nine hours of contractions every two minutes, just like really unable to even crawl to the bathroom. And I was taking hot baths and I put frankincense in my bath and the frankincense really did something too. The frankincense made the cramps feel more productive. And I feel like at the of the frankincense bath, things transitioned from like a castor oil induced labor to like real labor. Oh, and yeah. like, I really started to feel the difference when I was screaming and screaming, pressing against the walls. Like I was pressing through the walls as if plus through them. Like that's how much energy was flowing through my body. And, yeah. um, and her daddy was like really centering me, just being like, you got this, you got this, like, come back, come back. Where are you? Cause I was screaming and crying and I, I wanted to like I almost early on was in so much pain that I wanted to like give up and, and not go through with it. But I'm like, wait, no, no, no. This is the only way. The only way through this is through it. Like the only way out of this is through it. So anyways, long story short, my labor was like in over, you know, over 25 or 30 hours. I don't even know, but she came out just great. Like no complications, no, um, lowered heart rate. Like her, when her head started to come out I felt that she was still in the sack and so I was like on my bed and pushing her out and I made this like ramp of pillows and I called it the cramp ramp and I was just like (laughs) on the ramp just curled up just like so in so much pain that was so gnarly but when her head started to come out finally is when I was like okay game on let's go like I got all my energy back and I was throwing up a bunch and all this, but long story short, when my placenta passed, after she came out, when my placenta passed, I saw how vital and red and big and gorgeous it was. I was like, that thing hasn't aged. That thing looks awesome. 
<laughs> like, you know, God, I'm like aging placenta looks like it's kicking ass, you know, like it's totally doing what it needs to do. Hey, this beautiful so, red jewel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I feel, I feel like mentally, mentally wait, um, that long. And I'm still curious, like if I didn't pasture oil, how long would she have stayed? Cause labor was so, so long. You were 43 and two days then? I was 43 and four days when I took the castor oil and then gave, I, and that was on a Wednesday and then I gave birth on the Friday. So I made it to like 43 and like five days. Wow. Wow. Yeah. This wonder, it, 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 of course, I'm sure you're curious of like, how far would I have gone if I didn't, if you yeah. didn't take it into gear and, yeah. but it's, but again, like she was a perfectly healthy size, like she wasn't this ginormous baby and she was, yeah. So that was, it, was what, so cool. the, that week was it was, was, cause some people, the hardest part is the mental piece. Right. So, but do you think that that dancing and all that, like kept you in a good headspace or I think that kept me in a good space to keep moving forward and also, um, thinking about well what's the alternative if I can't wait then what's the alternative you know and then I and then I have absolutely no judgment and all respect for all mamas and their choices I just knew that for for me and my story I wanted to do a home birth I was very attached to wanting to do that more so because I wanted to break the cycle in my family of being a section like both Omar and I were c-sections and that's really that's totally fine. And, and we were both healthy babies in the nineties, but I wanted to be, I want her and I to go through this initiation together. And I knew that past week mark, if I wanted to go into the hospital, they would most likely go for a season because I hadn't gone in for any checkups really. They didn't, my record had stopped at like, you know, 31 weeks was the last time I went to an OBGYN. So I knew that like, if I transferred or if I went to a hospital, I was worried that they wouldn't really respect what I wanted and just say that because I'm at 42 weeks, there's a risk factor, blah, 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 blah. I thought they'd have a whole spiel as to why it was mandatory to do a C-section. So I just stuck with them like, well, if I can't wait, then what's the alternative? And am I okay with that alternative? And I just wasn't, I wasn't at peace with the effect of potential um, Pitocin and, and epidural and things like that, because I just didn't know as well too, like what that all would look like. Cause she's my first baby and I've never been at a hospital birth in the room before. So I didn't know the procedures. So I just wanted to keep it as I- ideal as possible. She has, she has her opinion about it too. Yeah. She's rocking back and forth. She's like eating this blanket right now. <laughs> I wonder if she's starting to teeth a little bit. Are you eating the blanket? Is it tasty? So cute. Well, she, <laughs> she thanks you for being patient. Yeah. I was like, well, what does, what does she want? I trust her wisdom. Like she knows what she's up to in there. I had kidney infection at um, like 20 and I did have to go to the hospital for that. And the whole time her spirit um, our nickname for her was Junior Ellie because we didn't know if she was a boy or a girl. And we were calling her like Junior. Hey, how's Junior? And then we're like, well, what if she's a girl? And then we're like, well, maybe it's Junior Ellie. And that was her little like nickname in, in utero. But 
Yeah. And <laughs> there's the like, sound. <laughs> <laughs> like when when I had the infection, she had this really strong power to her. Got your back, mom. You're gonna get through this. Like she felt really strong and and I it helped me to gain trust like when I went over 42 and then 43 he knows what she's doing right like she's like, not, not, not yet. and also we had just moved houses like her dad and I were not getting along very well and so maybe that it was a rough environment for her to enter and so she wanted to wait until you know smooth moment for her to enter and and she picked a pretty I mean I know that I used the castor oil but either way she the castor oil worked and and she she came and then on the day that she came, there was like a 15 to 20 foot swell as well on South shore. There was this huge, huge swell. And I was like, oh my gosh, my little mermaid water birth baby's bringing the massive waves with her, huh? <laughs> well, maybe she guided you to, to just go ahead and take the castor oil, right? You'd had it sitting there. Maybe she helped guide you because oh. I've had that happen with women too, where they talk about in their pregnancies that they're, they're definitely being guided by the person inside of them, um, making choices that they wouldn't normally make or having, <coughs> pardon me, reactions or things that they felt were a little out of the ordinary. And then hindsight, right? Like getting to work with people through multiple pregnancies and they're like, remember when this happened during this pregnancy and, and look at this little whippersnapper now, like, look at what they did. <laughs> I told you it was them. <laughs> so, you know, you'll find this, she grows up like what little like voice and influence she really does have. Right. Cause again, a lot of lessons are in the hindsight and, and, um, and yeah, be and and especially if you're humble to bear witness to them, right? So <laughs> yeah. and something that I'm so in adoration of with home birth is the time that you get, like as a mama, as a family, as a trio, like there was no rush. Like when she came out, she was, you know, we put her, Omar caught her and we put her on our chest, and the placenta came 15 minutes later and or however late, much later. And then like, we waited maybe like an hour and a half to cut her umbilical cord. And that time, even though it's a little bit blurry in my mind, like I'm so grateful that we were sitting there and I was like, I remember eating a pretzel and just like kind of chewing on it. It was kind of dry. I was a little dazed. And then like the midwife handed me uh, the scissors and she's like, okay, you're ready to cut the cord. And I was like, yeah, okay. Tell me all about it. Like, I just remember it being like kind of fluff, like a little hazy and like cloudy, but there was no sense of rush. And, and it kind of mirrored my like really late pregnancy too, that I was like, just really, rather than being like, okay, yeah, let's get this over with da, da, da. Like there was no anxiety in the connection to my baby. It was like, she's here now. Like she's on me, like the placenta's in the bowl and like, no one's telling me what to do. And like, it's, it was so sweet looking back on it. Like, I'm not sure what I was thinking in the moment. I was more just obsessed with her little face and like, how weird my belly felt and just like wow just adoring her little baby her little wet baby lips and stuff but I really like home birth is so powerful because you get to do it your way right and 
it's like, oh, endless gratitude for, for Susanna and Alec, Omar, for being there. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so precious. And, and she guided me with the cord too. Like she didn't even, she like kind of looked what, what I was doing and seemed very aware. And when I went to cut the cord, she almost like, she almost let off a, a little sigh. She was like, <sighs> and I was like, whoa, trippy. Like, I wonder what she feels. And, but it's, you know, amazing that we even have the space to think those thoughts rather than her being quickly removed from your body and the cord being cut before you can pass the placenta and all those things that happen. So yeah, it's nice yeah. to not come into this world in a rush. <laughs> Yeah, get our whole lives to be in a rush. <laughs> oh, sweet baby girl. Hi, love. Are you all cuddled in there? <laughs> I had it on mute a little bit because this little baby is tooting up a storm over here. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I wonder if that's picking up on the microphone. <laughs> and you did your birth unassisted in your bathtub, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and it was great. She guided me too. I mean, she assisted me. She was the best little midwife there ever could be. So, and you know, I've sat with many women and I've had a couple babies already and there's still just so much space to grow and expand and learn and, and, um, give grace and be humbled again and again. I just, and I'm so grateful for that too. I think that it's, um, it's why the work called me in and that's why I stay, you know, the hours are terrible, but the, the reward to like, be able to, to witness, um, people like really rising to an occasion, um, is incredible. I, I just can't, you know, I, I can't compare it to anything else <laughs> so it's really good and and I'm so grateful to to have shared a lot pregnancy along with you and be in the postpartum world with you it's it's really amazing to like walk the path with other women and you know you have so you you know I know you've said a few times like this is my first baby and whatever but you know we do we have this wisdom and we have something to really offer and share with each other um whether it's your first baby or your seventh baby we all have these wonderful gifts and perspectives and um yeah I really want to thank you so much for sharing yeah <laughs> about dance and I I just I love movement and it's midwifery is so badass because it's like a place where you can mix conscious movement and yoga and herbal medicine and nutrition and like massage and all these things that are incorporated within midwifery for the purpose of bringing in life. Like what is more meaningful than that? It's so badass. Like I didn't realize how herbaceous the midwifery and doula path is like all the herbs I've used postpartum from getting a whopping case of mastitis to some hemorrhaging to like, yeah, just getting my mood more like happy, taking care of my heart, letting go of anger, 
welcoming in more joy. Like there's so many herbs for all of the things that the postnatal journey brings. And I just like finally got a chance to work with like shepherd's purse and yarrow and rosemary and like yoni steaming too postnatal is super fun. So it's, it's like, okay, I want to have more babies maybe so I can just keep my <laughs> free and like, I would love to, if I, if I ever have another baby try for an unassisted labor too. And, but I know, I know for sure, no matter like what, if I do have another baby or I'm going to dance the whole way through and then, and then dance after too. Cause now I'm like dancing and stretching every day and I'm starting to really get some vitality back in my body and like ready to start weight training again and stuff too. And I really attribute that to being so active throughout my third trimester. So yeah, even though I went through like about a month, like a little, maybe over a month that I didn't do much, the, the recovery from that was like, I was so weak that I would sometimes like when I'd go into a squat, I'd like roll over. Like I would, I couldn't hold myself in a squat. I would had really like atrophied my leg muscles and stuff. But now I'm like just bit by bit getting stronger and stronger. And it's not about like physique and fitness and image. It's about like feeling empowered and, and being able to do the things that you love to do and having a baby shouldn't hinder that. You know, it's like now you have a best friend to do it with. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I fully, fully agree. They, they can enhance our lives in so many yeah. ways. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and, and it's yeah, it's such a pleasure to speak with you and see little Coral Estelle's beautiful growing face. <laughs> yes, I feel the same way. And then do you ever, I mean, you have, um, you have a business. Do you want to like plug your business at all here and share with the, with, with folks? Because I think it's incredible the work you do, you know, you again, working with herbs and working with dance. So if there's a way that if people wanted to reach out to you or they can just contact us, whatever feels right. Okay, sure. Yeah. Um, my, uh, well, I go by Chloe B, like a bumblebee is my last name. Chloe B, you could search and it'll lead you to Rainbow Botanicals. And that's my herbal project that like a lot of aromatherapy, medicine, lots of salves. And so yeah, Rainbow Bliss Botanicals, that's also my Instagram. And then in terms of dance classes, uh, I'm not teaching anywhere regularly right now, but I'm dancing with a company called Dancers Unlimited. And we have a show next weekend, November 20th in Kaneohe at Key Project. And the whole show is around fusing, um, using food and like sustainable sovereign food as a means for creative movement. So we're dancing about like Kalo and dancing about ocean, like fisheries management. And like, I know that sounds really abstract, but it's like, we've taken these prompts for movement and then made art with it. Um, and so I have a couple pieces in, in that showcase and, uh, and That's yeah, awesome. as, like I, I do see clients in regard to natural contraceptive, always learning more about that process too. So it, I see clients based on like digestion and, uh, women's health issues. And so, yeah, here, here as a community herbalist and guide and I also like to dry, like grow and dry lots of local herbs too. Awesome. That's amazing. Well, thank you again so very much and uh, for taking the time. I can't believe our girls were such good sports. I know, right? <laughs>
They're along for the ride with us. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, you enjoy the rest of your afternoon and I'll see you soon, my dear. You soon. Have a beautiful day. Yes, you too. (laughs) Aloha. Aloha.